As Bob Dylan once said, the times, they are a-changing. So how can you future-proof yourself as a music artist? All right, so you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound Podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. Speaking of Bob Dylan... He's the only music artist that I've ever seen live in concert that didn't say a single word to the crowd. I watched the whole way through and I figured, you know, surely there's going to be a thanks very much or thank you after a song or even, I don't know, just anything, (laughs) Uh, but nothing, not a single word. And I figured, you know what, maybe when he finishes his set, he might say, you know, thanks for coming out or, you know, whatever, nothing. He walked off stage, even got called back out for an encore and didn't say a single word to the crowd for the entire show and people weren't very happy about it. But then again, I guess when you're pushing 80 and you're Bob Dylan and you've done everything he's done, you don't owe anyone nothing, do you? <laughs> well, I suppose if people are paying for to come to your show, you, you do owe them something. Anyway, got an article here today from ultimateguitar.com, which is quite a strange source, to be honest. I, um, you know, I was pretty surprised to see that an article like this is on a website like that, but you know what? I agree with most of it. This is a, it's, it's kind of rare. I know, I mean, rare. I've, what, done only a couple of these episodes, but it's pretty rare for me to read articles that I agree with most of what's in it because uh, I feel like a lot of people aren't thinking about the industry correctly. And, uh, you know, this, this one's pretty bang on. It's called Seven Music Industry Standards That Will Become Obsolete in the Next Five Years. Now, they're just letting you know what's going to change. And uh, their point of the article is saying, will you miss them? Like, is it, you know, it's just a nostalgic style article, but I think it's a really cool way to be able to explain how you should go about futuring, future proofing yourself, sorry, for the upcoming changes in the industry. I mean, let's talk about each point and, you know, why they're going away and why you should, you know, use this to adapt your approach to the industry to make sure that you aren't caught out by these changes. You know, I mean, it's so easy in the music industry because it changes so quickly. It's so easy to get comfortable in what you know and want to revert to that out of familiarity. And that's why you've still got people trying to buy and sell CDs, which I think is just a terrible investment in this day and age. Um, but, you know, but speaking of that, that's actually the first point. Great segue, Jason. Okay, so the first point they got here is they're saying that uh, CDs are going to become obsolete. Now, I'm not going to read you the whole article. I'll just give you the dot points. But they're saying essentially, as everyone knows, that because of streaming services, CDs are going to become obsolete. Now, I totally agree with this. Even five years ago when I'd uh, in my recording studio, I'd be working with bands and a lot of them kept asking me for CD masters. And I think that a lot of the time, I mean, I can get it. I asked a few of them and said, why are you still printing CDs when they're so hard to sell? I mean, they were hard to sell 10 years ago but why on earth would you want to buy cds and try to sell cds now and the answer usually is because of the fact that if you can physically hold it in your hands it feels way more like you've accomplished something and i totally get that i mean if you've spent all this time writing an album you want to feel that album in your hands right like you've probably grown up with cds in your hands you've probably grown up holding cassette tapes or vinyls depending on how old you are Uh, but you've you've known your favorite artists have you know, had physical albums available, had made physical albums available for sale. And you want to, you know, it's kind of unsatisfying to record an album and then it just be on Spotify. You know what I mean? Like any streaming service out there, if you just load up Apple Music or Google Play or whatever, even YouTube, if you just go in and type that in and go, here's my music, it just doesn't feel like as real as if you held a CD. So, I totally understand the nostalgic value in that. But from an investment standpoint, they are a terrible 
decision because of the fact that a lot of these CD printing companies have a minimum run. Um, and usually that minimum run, it used to be 500 and I think they've gotten it down to like 250 or maybe even 100 now, but still to sell 100 CDs, that's still a quite a challenging thing for an up and coming music artist because most people don't want physical media. It, it's, I mean, I love to support artists and I love like owning the albums that I'm, you know, that I'm interested in, but I know for sure that if I know, like, I know that if I've, you know what I mean? I would, I would definitely buy a band's album, but if they've just announced that it's available, I immediately go for Spotify because I want to hear it immediately. I don't want to wait a week for it to come in and then try to have to find a CD player to listen to it. Um, you know, so that's why vinyl has made a bit of a comeback. It's because that resurgence of vinyl is usually because, um, it's because of the fact that people have fallen back in love with physical media. So ironically, I feel like, uh, well, not ironically, just strangely, I feel that, um, vinyl is a better investment than CDs in this day and age. Uh, and vinyls actually outsold CDs a couple of years ago. And I think that they're consistent. I don't, don't quote me on that, but vinyl have been outselling CDs. People just don't really want CDs anymore. So, I mean, the way that you can, uh, you can really make sure that you avoid this and make sure that you don't make any bad, like any silly mistakes with it is to just stop getting CDs pressed because I mean, people are just going to go for streaming services anyway. Uh, think about it. Like, would you buy CDs or would you prefer to go on Spotify? Just ask you. This is this is a thing that music artists don't really do is ask themselves what they would do. Uh, you can so easily get caught up in your own creativity and your own um thinking like a music artist to not think about how you act. Because if you would rather just go on Spotify and you wouldn't buy CDs, then why are you assuming that you're followers and fans are going to buy your album and not just look at it on Spotify. You know what I mean? So don't make the initial investment because it will cost way too much money. Just chuck it on the digital streaming services. Just play this game. And if you get a bit of a following up that are ready to purchase physical media and you want to monetize that, then I would, I would probably recommend like an exclusive limited edition, um, like a vinyl run. I feel like that's probably the best option that you can do. So the second point they've got here is saying that the second thing to go within the next uh, five years will probably be define genres. So saying that, um, you know, being able to categorize music into specific genres will be gone. Now, I agree with this. I think that it's true. I feel like there's so many crossover artists now that there's, I mean, how many crossover artists can you like how many crossover artists can there actually be before people just realize that there's no real genre labels anymore? I mean, back in the day, there were just really, really basic ones. Like you're all, you were pop or you were rock or you were, you know, folk, you're electronic. It was very easy to categorize bands. But nowadays, I mean, and then it started going down like slash uh, genres. So like it's pop slash rock, or it could be, you know, reggae slash alternative, whatever. That'd be a weird genre, but whatever. Uh, but nowadays it's like everyone just sits in this weird middle ground because sound gets so experimental. Uh, so that's true. I feel like, uh, that defined genres will be a thing of the past in just a few years time. And I guess that is just more creatively freeing than you may think. It just allows everyone to find their own space and to find exactly where they want to sound, um, what they want to sound like and be able to position themselves in the market in that area. Now, I do also understand that strangely, a lot of people want to sound like what is already popular to try to capitalize on their pre-built audience, which is like super basic business move. And it like, it makes sense. But I mean, it's, it's different from how it used to be when I was in a full-time touring band 10 years ago. They, it was much more about 
trying to sound unique. If you sounded like another band, you were an imitator and you were a copycat and nobody wanted that, right? So, that's just not how um, the music industry is anymore. Like, I mean, it's so strange that it's turned around and now when you write music, you actually try to sound like another artist because if you can sound like another artist, you must be good, right? Because you can be compared to them, whatever. So, Strange House just turned around in the last like you know, 10 years or so. And in the next five, I agree. I don't think there's going to be defined genres anymore, which means that you should probably stop labeling yourself um, or trying to confine yourself to a genre. Because if you label yourself as I am a country artist, then you will still put, you'll put those boundaries on yourself. But if you, if you allow yourself to say that you're just influenced by country music, for example, you, you'd be much more broad in your execution. Uh, second, uh, third one here we've got that will be obsolete within the next five years is expensive band promotion. So, they're saying here that before the rise of social media that uh, money was king and that's true. So, you obviously had to put a lot of money into uh, promotion and marketing and that kind of stuff. So, you could uh, you know run even like advertisements. Back in the day, there was advertisements on TV to sell albums. Like crazy to think that that existed in this day and age. Um, but yeah, so expensive band promotion will probably, I mean, in, at least in the way that they're talking about it here. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be obsolete within five years. But I don't agree that uh, that that you won't have to put any money into the promotion of your music in five years' time. You'll just have to shift it and put it into different channels. So, I think, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be putting money into pressing CDs and you shouldn't be putting money into trying to, you know, expensive TV ads or radio spots because, I mean, that hasn't been around for years. That's probably obsolete. I mean, definitely obsolete now. But you should be putting that money into uh, stuff like... Um, social media advertising in the right way. Don't go just go and buy Facebook ads today because you need to do groundwork to actually make those Facebook ads work. I'm going to talk about that in another episode, but too many people are putting out Facebook ads to the wrong audience and that's why they're not seeing results. Um, but you need to be trying to... Um, you know, put uh, put it into good promotional opportunities. Maybe you speak to influencers and you pay them to shout your band out to their fan base because you know that your fan base and theirs demographic speaking alliance okay so maybe that's where you want to go that's a way better way to spend your money so yeah in five years time you should be doing that now actually that point i don't agree with so much i think you should be doing that right now putting money into smarter opportunities now point four as to uh something that will become obsolete in the next five years <clears throat> excuse me charts so they're saying that with the rise of playlists and streaming algorithms music is e easier to discover than ever sorry easier to discover than ever uh but one media format is suffering from it which are charts like the billboard charts so they're saying with the majority of music consumed online or live sales become irrelevant i think that's a typo whatever so they're saying that it's not a measure of success nor is it a measure of a band's income now it's all about video views spotify plays and playlists featured in tough times for the billboard magazine okay i don't completely agree with this one because billboard does take streaming um uh, streaming uh what's the amount like amounts like i don't know i'm sure that the word will come to me in a second when it's too late but billboard takes streaming counts there you go into account so if you're if you're looking at the billboard website you can see what uh what music artists are getting the most popularity and who are dominating the charts so to speak now it did used to mean that people were buying albums if you made the top of the charts it meant you were selling albums and yet yeah, now true it's not saying that by someone who's at the top of the charts that they're earning the most amount of money because nowadays there are so many uh revenue streams for music artists that are outside of selling music that someone might not even be on the charts but still be earning a full-time living you know what i mean because they can monetize it in other ways 
But billboard charts now show you the overall um, popularity and uh, I would guess like consistency of commitment for music artists. I mean, obviously, if you're up on the top of the charts, you've either got a few people listening to you a absolute lot or you've got a lot of people listening to you once. Either way, that's a pretty good situation to be in. Most of the time, it's a combination of the two. You've got, you know, your your true fans that are playing your album on repeat and you've got a lot of new people discovering you as well. So, that's a pretty good balance of success and you deserve to be at the top of the charts if that's the case. Now, obviously, I actually think being at top of the charts, is, I mean, it, obviously, it's a really good thing, but I think it's actually a exceptionally good thing in today's day and age because because of uh, all the different streaming services, it allows you to be, if you're at the top of the charts, because music is so accessible, it goes to show the true popularity of a music artist because of the fact that back in the day, uh, if you were to get to the top of the charts, you were only able to get there if your album made sales, right? Like if you were able to sell albums, there are a lot of people that can't afford to sell out. Um, we can't afford to buy albums, sorry, to, to buy them. And like people would like a few years later, I mean, in the early 2000s, late nineties or whatever, people started burning albums. So a lot of the times, I, I mean, artists would be very popular, but they wouldn't, that wouldn't be reflected in the charts because people were burning their albums. So now everyone who wants to listen to it has a, like an option to be able to find a way to listen to it for free. And then that goes to show the true popularity of artists. So I think that the charts are actually more accurate than um, than people think. But I don't think charts are actually going to go within the next five years. They're just going to be measuring the different streaming services. So yeah, can't say I agree with that one too much, but still. I said at the start that I agree with most of it. How many are, th- are we through? Four? And I disagree with two of them. <laughs> so we've got a 50% success rate, but uh, that's about to swing around because the fifth item here that they're saying are going to go within the next five years are giant record labels. Uh, so they're saying while major labels are still a thing, they might not be in a not, in a not so distant future with more and more artists choosing a niche record label or even going entirely independent with a great success. The, hu- the influence huge companies like Warner Brothers, Sony BMG or EMI had is not affecting the music landscape as it did before. Uh, you can see major companies more and more rely on copywriting their existing collection, claiming money for, from videos on YouTube and using whatever means necessary to cover losses from low sales and bands going independent. Yeah, I agree. We live in the best age to be a music artist because you don't need a record label, okay? I, I agree with that point. I feel like in five years' time, you still won't need a record label to do anything. It's not like you're going to have anything taken off you that is available to you now to make it like harder for you to... Uh, uh, to 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 make music and therefore the labels become powerful again. But I don't agree that the the big labels are going to be the ones that are going to go. I feel like they're the ones that have the most money behind them. They have the most experience behind them, and they have the biggest teams behind them. If anything, they'll reduce their staff, and they will lose. Uh, there will be jobs lost at those labels, but they'll redefine based on the ability to do so and might be the pioneers for the new label. Like uh, the independent labels are much more temporary in nature. They come they come quickly and they leave just as quick. Uh, but these big ones have been around for so long that, I mean, it takes a lot to take them down. And as this article says, they've got existing catalogs full of like really successful music artists. So I think they're going to find ways to change the way they operate and, uh, come at the music industry from a different angle. Okay. I think that's the best way to put it. I feel like the labels won't actually disappear. They might just reinvent themselves and find a new way to monetize the industry. Most likely by looking at outside avenue, uh, outside um, 
financial avenues or outside income avenues. So, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like labels are going to go within five years because that's a pretty short time frame for all these big labels to just disappear off the face of the earth. But and especially I don't agree with them saying that independent labels are going to be the ones that live on, because as I said, I could start an independent label tomorrow. You could do it, too. It's not that tricky. Uh, and these days, as I said, I don't even think you need a record label at all. So the labels need to figure out what they can offer music artists that make it a better uh, better option for a music artist to choose to go through a label versus just do it independently. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, marketing in the digital space to uh, take a lot of that off their hands. Um, I feel like labels could reinvent themselves. Maybe that's a, a topic for another day. I could talk about how labels could survive in this new industry by providing new services that music artists really need. Um, but for now, yeah, I don't think that's uh, that that's a huge, huge deal for you. I feel like you need to just stay focused on doing you and figure out how to do everything yourself. All my content is talking about how to actually manage yourself without needing a record label. So just keep doing that. Keep putting those into action and in five years time. Let's see what the labels are doing. Let's see how they've changed their approach and see if they can, uh, if they are able to actually help you in a new way. Six point here, they've said that big recording studios will go within five years. Now, as I said, five years is quite a uh, short time frame. Now, as I read this article before, I was like, you know what? They're making points. They've got good points here. I think that these aren't incorrect, but I do think that um, I do think that five years is actually quite a short time frame to be claiming all these things will disappear. But they're saying that um, with technology moving forward, hardware becomes cheaper and more portable, while software grow in quality now rivaling some hardware solutions. Feels like they didn't proofread this article. But anyway, there's a few, there's a few typos and a few English errors, but saying that in-home recordings are more and more popular with even some big names using home studios to do their uh, records now, which is true. I mean, there are 17-year-olds making like chart-topping hits from their laptops in their bedrooms with no recording studio. That is a sentence that you would never have believed 20 years ago because like, you used to have to pay a fortune to go and record in a you know, professional recording studio to work with a producer who could bring your song to life. And now it's just so accessible. So- these big recording studios, I feel like they're already realizing how hard it is to get people paying a lot of money in, but I feel like the music industry just hasn't found the new way to monetize itself yet. I think within the next five to 10 years, there's going to be a lot of money brought back into the music industry off a new revenue stream that is going to become the backbone of the industry again. I feel like there's going to be something that comes out uh, that people realize is the way to monetize yourself as a music artist, and that is going to change everything. And I really think that uh, these studios need that because they've got millions and millions of dollars worth of audio gear sitting there and they're finding it have to keep lowering their prices to get local acts in who, I mean, I even realized that a bit from my recording studio, as time went on, I became less and less needed because more and more people would, more and more music artists would think, oh, I'll just, you know, I've got a laptop and I only need a quick demo done. So I'll, uh, I'll go to Jason when I need to do our album or our EP, but I'll just do our demos at home now. And I lost the work of doing people's demos. So you have to keep trying to prove yourself as to why you are important as a producer so that they don't just want to go either somewhere else or, you know, just record at their house. And I feel like rec uh, recording studios are already feeling that a bit, but I can only imagine what it'd be like to be paying rent at a really expensive studio and with all this expensive gear and trying to find ways to monetize. But this is why they say the strongest survive. You've got to figure out, figure out a way to stay afloat 
But as a music artist, I think the way that, I mean, this doesn't really affect you that much apart from the fact that I will say that to go and record at these studios, these big studios with a producer that knows what they're doing, it's go, they're going to bring out the best quality recording that you could do way better than you could do by yourself at home, but at least know that you are a threat to them. So, you have the potential to be recording amazing quality demos at home. If you get really good software instruments, they are so believable these days. Back in the day, if someone used uh, a fake guitar amp on, you know, like a digital guitar amp on their recording, you could tell the V amp sounded like mosquitoes rattling around in a tin can. They sounded terrible. It sounded like you took your guitar pedal and just plugged that straight into a, you know, into a sound card or whatever, like on a, on a laptop rather than any interface or anything like that. Just awful. But nowadays, the guitar amps sound so real that, I mean, you don't even need guitar amps. You could just record everything through digital amps. I've done all my albums through digital amps. I, like my favorite bands, have done their, you know, albums through digital amps as well. It's just they're so versatile. And they can, if you if you record a, you know, guitar sound to tape, um, as in to track, as in if you had to tape, how old does that sound? But if you actually record it to the track, you can't do much with it later apart from like EQ and compression and just basic effects. But if you use virtual amps, you can change the mic, you can change the mic position, you can change the cabinet, you can change the sound, the pedals, everything. Same thing with drum plugins. They used to sound terrible back in the day, but now they're so realistic that it's it's amazing. I, the fact that I can write demos that could be used and mixed to be album quality recordings on my laptop without ever like setting up a microphone on an actual instrument is crazy. And it's the same power that you have as well. You could be using it to your advantage. So just be doing that, making sure that you uh, set yourself up with a good home recording setup and invest in some good software instruments and you won't need to go to a recording studio. And also that's the other thing too. Uh, there is so much information available on YouTube that you just don't take it for granted. It's so easy to dismiss it as, oh yeah, it's just YouTube, like, the, you know, whatever. But back, like, only like five years ago or something, you'd have to pay thousands of dollars to go and study or to take on private mentors to teach you information that you can get for free now on YouTube. So, if you want to learn how to, like, completely like do your own music from home on your laptop and become really good at mixing. You don't have to go to university or college anymore to do that. Or you don't have to take a crazy online course. You can just find people on YouTube that just tell you their secrets for free. And it's like, it's like invaluable information. It's invaluable information because as a music artist, your goal is to translate the vision you have that is just electrical impulses in your brain to real life, to uh, through music, to move someone else the way that you want your music to move them, right? That's, that's, the, that's the process that you're trying to get across to them. There is a bit of a roadblock whenever you go work with another producer that doesn't quite understand what your vision is because they don't interpret it the way you want it to sound and it doesn't end up coming out the way you had intended. But if you learn how to mix and master yourself, or even just mix yourself and then pay to get it mastered professionally, that's a great option. Then you can uh, really interpret your vision and actually make sure that it sounds exactly how you imagine it. And that's the most creative control you can find. Just as uh, you know how fun it is creatively to sit down with your instrument and experiment and write and, and uh, you know, create your music. It's like a creative playground, right? Well, Digital recording is even more so like that, or even just recording in general, but who's recording analog these days? As much as we all want to, right? It'd be really cool to do that again. 
Uh, but digital recording, like just put a set of headphones on and use software instruments, it becomes like it's like every instrument becomes your instrument. Uh, and it's not that hard to learn how to mix. It's it's hard to get really good at mixing because it's like, you know, it's quite a very uh, specific and uh, very technical art form in itself. But to get into it and to become good at it um, is, is, is much easier than you may think. It's just, you know, to get to that next stage of being really good does take more work. And I'm sure that if you start going down that rabbit hole, you're going to eventually find yourself at that point anywhere where you just, anyway, sorry, where you end, where you end up just uh, trying to do whatever you can to become a better mix engineer because it is very fun. Uh, but also, you're also doing it to try to find more ways to bring your vision to life. But if you just find your genre and you know, you know, uh, talking about genres not existing, but if you can find a way that um, to represent your type of sound roughly, and then you go on YouTube and type in like how to mix this type of song, they'll show you. And there'll be so many tutorials there of people mixing it like in the program of your choice, depending on what door you choose, which is a digital audio workstation. Uh, isn't that right? Workstation. Uh, whatever. So DAW, that's the um, the software that you choose. It'll show you how to use it. You could type in like mixing for beginners and it will show you everything. And that way you won't need to go spend money at recording studios and you will create better sounding recordings over, you know, obviously not instantly, but over say six months or a year as you practice. But that's what you need to do is build a home recording studio setup, even if it's just a laptop and a set of really good headphones that you're able to mix on. And before you say that you can't mix on headphones, you absolutely can if you get the right headphones to do so. There are some amazing ones out there now that have made a huge difference in mixing don't mix on your ipod i'm sorry your, your iphone your airpods or whatever they're called don't mix on that uh or just a cheap set of headphones buy some good quality studio headphones that give flat frequency response and uh look up youtube tutorials and trust me give it a couple of months and it, it will be something that you won't know how you ever lived without all right, last one we've got today uh, is albums. So they're saying that probably the most interesting shift of the music industry, in the music industry, sorry, is uh, in the album department. So they're saying that uh, every, uh, even five or six years ago, the formula of single album, single, two years of tour, repeat, was well in place and was somewhat working. But now there is no specific album cycles. Ben's release music every year or every 13 years. Uh, and this is looking at you, Tool. Okay, so they're a Tool fan. Uh, this money is, uh, their money's made by selling merch, live shows, and VIP packages. The recording music, uh, the recorded music itself has lost a lot of worth in terms of the money being made off it. That's true. And I, I do, I get what they're saying here. They're saying that people don't fall into album cycles anymore. Uh, they're saying with no limitations in terms of retail, bands can make two hour long albums or do a couple of three to five song EPs. When there's with no physical limitations, the only boundaries are set by the musicians themselves. Okay, cool. So they're saying that as time moves on in the next five years, people won't be doing albums anymore. Okay, I don't agree with that. Here I said at the start that I agree with most of them, but I actually, I think I disagree with most of them. Um, if it's seven, I think four of them I say I don't agree with. I don't think that within five years time that albums are going to be obsolete. I know a lot of people are saying that the album is dead and we live in a world of singles now because it's better to be releasing constant material than it is to try to, uh, you know, save up for an album, then put all your eggs into one basket to release that. I think there's a middle ground between the two. I, I think that to keep releasing singles and only singles isn't going to ever give you the traction or the, uh, I mean, it might give you slight traction, but it's never going to give you the impact that releasing a, like a complete body of work, like an album will, you know, it won't give you that same impact that an album will. Because of the fact that uh, I say this um, quite often, but an album is not 10 songs 
like put smash together like an album is an album you you've written it so that it's a cohesive body of work that represents you as a music artist that is your discography like it's part of your legacy uh, when people look you up, they want to find an album that they can put on that moves them over the course of, you know, 10 to 12 songs versus, oh, what's that single? Okay, now what's that single? And they're very jarring and they're separate and you can tell they're recorded months, if not years apart. And yeah, I don't agree with that. I do understand that it's it's you need to be relevant. So I know that a lot of music artists are saying, well, the answer is if you're a music artist and you create music, instead of releasing 12 songs once a year or twi- once every two years, why not release one song every month? Um, you know, great, because then it's singles and blah, blah, blah. I get that. But I honestly think that you can do it better. I think you can do the whole release one to two to three songs leading up to your album release and to build a little bit of uh, excitement and hype for it and then you can release your album uh and use it as and then promote it and then be promoting it on saying it's on spotify don't be trying to sell it but it's on spotify it's on you know apple uh apple music it's on google play it's on youtube go and listen to it and like tell people where to go but it doesn't mean you have to be irrelevant for the other months while you're not talking about your music all my point is is that with the whole listen path model which is your audience segmentation to understand how to move someone from not knowing who you are into becoming a true fan you use the bricks of your path so to speak to be made up of the content you produce which are all the other avenues that people want to see on social media people don't want to be told on instagram go listen to my new song but they do want to see photo and video content that helps them build a human connection so if you can provide that that's what's going to make them naturally want to become curious and want to find and seek out your music themselves that's what the whole idea of the listen path is that's why i think that you're absolutely going to love it once listen pages comes out which is i'm giving away three months for free if you go to listenpages.com um, uh, I just want you to go and test it for me and see what it can do for your music career. Uh, I can't wait to hear what it can do for you, to be honest, but go and do that. The listen pages allows you to see your audience on the listen path and know how to move them forward to becoming true fans. And then they'll buy whatever you bring out. Uh, but don't try to throw your music down their throat. And I don't feel like bringing out um, a lot of music all of the time is the best option. There was a video that went live uh, today from Gary Vaynerchuk where he's giving music industry advice and I kind of want to break that down in a future episode. Maybe I'll do that in a few days uh, discussing what he's he's got to say. He's a massive media guy that knows exactly what he's talking about with a lot of things uh, but he's been talking about the music industry a little bit and I want to discuss his points and to see whether you should be taking that on as advice or not. Um, because he's, he has a strategy of saying that you should be releasing as much content as you can. So releasing as many songs as you can all the time. So we'll talk about that on another day, but I don't agree with at least that might, that's separate to what this is saying, but I don't agree with the people who are saying that you shouldn't release albums and just release singles, which is a question I get quite often from people. Actually, they say to me, you know, I've heard people say not to release albums anymore. And I don't think that albums will ever truly die because of the fact that they're just so needed people don't want to just listen to a single over and over again eventually they'll want to find out more about the artists themselves and they'll want to put the album on from start to finish while they're working and that that won't ever disappear uh but i do think that if you can uh if you can set yourself up with a decent home recording setup and are able to learn how to mix uh yourself and you can chip away at songs and you can know which ones are worth recording. I mean, something that you just probably take for granted. If you went to a recording studio and you recorded a song and you realized that it didn't really fit into the context of your EP or your album and you were like, you know what, maybe we just won't do that one. We'll do another one instead. Like maybe you just wrote a new song 
anyone to put that in instead. You'd have to pay for like a ton of studio time to like record the new song, right? Now you can just do it on your laptop and just put it in archives and be like, oh, just I'll just record the new song. Like, There's so much that you could be doing these days that you shouldn't be taking for granted. So anyway, that's it. That's the seven things on this list as to uh, things that will change in the future. They're saying that CDs will go, defined genres will go, expensive band promotion will go, charts will go, giant record labels will go, big recording studios set up, uh, setups will go, and albums will go. I think the way to future-proof yourself in summary for the five-year, 10-year, whatever music industry is invest in some good quality uh, headphones, a good laptop, buy some good software instrument and a DAW, learn how to mix uh, and record yourself. Uh, let it show you and unlock your real creativity inside you. You'll save a whole, bu- a whole bunch of money doing it that way. Think of it as uh, your little doomsday bunker. You, everything else can change around you, but as long as you've got your little home recording studio set up, you will be able to create great quality sounding recordings from home that are closer to your artistic vision and better at communicating your desired emotion to your listeners than you would be able to record if you were recording and paying a lot of money to record an expensive recording studio. If you had a dollar for every time I just said record, I think I said a lot, Um, you know, but that's just the way the world's going to be. That way you can concentrate on recording the best uh, material that you can possibly release. And as you know, if you've heard anything I've had to say before, I always say that music is here to move people. People are looking to build a connection with the music. The better quality your recordings are, it means the better quality of content you release, which means that your listeners are able to interpret it more effectively and therefore the more connection is built with them. So it always works in that cycle. So if you can set up a good quality home recording studio that allows you to play in that uh, you know, creative playground and really figure out how to unlock your true creative inside you, then the music industry can do whatever it wants and you'll always have it figured out. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you've gotten a ton of value out of it. I hope you like this new format. Let me know what you're thinking. You can contact me anywhere and give me some feedback as to what you'd like me to do more of, what you want me to do less of even. Uh, But I can tell you what I'd like you to do more of, which is go to listenpages.com and secure your three free months. I'm only doing it for like the first couple of hundred accounts and we're nearly at limit. So if you want to go over there and uh, make sure that you get three months of this revolutionary music marketing software that um, we're developing at the moment that is going to radically change the way you operate. And I'm sure that once you start using it, you'll wonder how you ever got by without it. It will just make you and make it so much easier for you to grow more, connect more, and sell more than you ever have before as a music artist. So go to listenpages.com. And uh, the only other thing I want you to do, it's super important, and that's have a great week.